Now this is a story from the west coast of Orkney, from the Bay of Scale in Sandwick. The thing is, with a lot of Orkney folktales, is they're very site-specific. And if any of you have visited the Stone Age village at Scarabray and seen the church across the bay from it, St. Peter's, this is where this story happened. It's called The Death of the Finn King. Now, the Finn folk lived under the sea. They also lived on floating islands, but it was under the sea where their main abode was, and that is where they spent most of their time. It was said that they were called Finn folk because they had fins, which could be wrapped around their body to look like clothes, because they were powerful sorcerers. Now, the Finn folk were also very good fishermen, but there was a problem arose with the people from Sandwick, because the people from that area around the Bay of Scale had accidentally trespassed onto the Finn king's own fishing ground and taken his fish. And he was furious, and he declared that no more fish would ever go on a hook of a Sandwick man. And he laid a curse on them, and he enchanted all the fish in the sea so that they would not take a hook that had been baited by a mortal hand. Well, the people in Sandwick were getting desperate. They were going out with their boats, and they were throwing the line over the side with the baited hooks on it, and there was plenty of fish. They could see them swarming around down there in the depths, and they would swim around the hooks, and they would look at the bait, but they would pay no attention to it at all. Not one of them would take a hook. Well, they realized that there must be some enchantment here, and so it was decided to consult an old spaywife who lived at the house of Bokken. So they went to see her, and they set forward their problem that the fish no longer would take a hook, and they relied on fish for their food. If they didn't have fish, they would starve over the next winter. Mm, it's a problem, said the old wife, and I know exactly what's wrong. The Finn King has put a spell on the fish. They won't take hook. They won't bite your bait. So you have to break that spell. And this is how you can do it. You must get a, a six-oared boat and have a crew of seven young men, all of whom have to be unmarried. And then you must set off out to your usual fishing grounds. And six of you will row and the seventh will steer. And the seventh will bait hooks while you are rowing out to your fishing ground. And then he must say a little charm over the sinker stone. He must say, Say be between me and thee. And then throw the line over the side. Let it go down to the bottom and then pull it out clear of the kelp seaweed. And when you do that, you will catch a fish. And then you must haul it up as fast as you can and head back to the shore. Now you must also have made and take with you four strong kegs, small barrels. You have to take those with you. 
Now the Finn king will rise from the sea, and he will give pursuit to you. But what you must do is throw one of those barrels towards him, and he will stop and attack it, crunch it up, smash it to pieces, and then set off after you. Do the same with the other three. This will slow him down for long enough for you to be able to get to the shore and pull the boat up out of harm's way, and with that the spell will be broken. Well, there was only one boat that had six oars that was at the Bay of Scale. It belonged to a man called Thomas Marwick at South Unigar. And so he was asked if they could borrow the boat, and he gave his consent. And the men were made ready. The seven of them volunteered. They knew what to do. Four strong little kegs were made and put safely in the boat. The fishing line with the sinker stone with it, the darrow stone as it was known, was made ready. Bait was secured. And then the men pushed the boat down to the water. Well, a big crowd of people had gathered on the shore to watch this, and they stood there, hardly daring to breathe, as the men rowed out. They positioned it so that the cliff at Rao was directly opposite Skarohau, where Skarabray, the Stone Age village, is now. So once they'd lined up that mound with the edge of the cliff, they knew that they were in the right place. And the man who was steering, he took the baited hooks and he said to the sinker stone, Say be between me and thee, and he threw it over the side. He let it go down to the bottom and then he pulled it up clear of the seaweed and immediately they caught a cod. They pulled the fish on board the boat as quick as possible, took it off the hook, threw it in the bottom of the boat and then turned the boat and headed back to the shore as fast as they could. There was a great surging and foaming in the water, and there, breaking the surface, was the Finn King. He was huge, as big as a peat stack, they said. And he was mad. He was furious. And he set off after the men in pursuit. He was after their lives. Well, when he got close... The man who was steering threw the first keg over the side of the boat, and the Finn King stopped and attacked it. He crushed it, splintered it to pieces, tore it to shreds, and when it was all just matchwood, he then set off and swam after the boat again. A second keg was thrown to him, and again he stopped and attacked it, smashed it to pieces and then set off in pursuit again. The people on the shore were shouting and screaming. Men kept rowing as hard as they could. A third keg was thrown over the side to the Finn King, but this time the Finn King didn't stop to attack it. He grabbed it, and he crunched it between his great webbed fingers. But... He didn't stop. He still swam on as he crunched up the barrel. Well, this was a problem. He was catching up with them now. They still had a bit of a way to go. The minister, who was standing on the Kirk Bray, shouted to them to head towards the, the Kirk. Head to the Holy Hoose, he said. 
and so they changed their course slightly to head towards the church. Well, the Finn King had finished destroying the third barrel, and he was now nearly at the boat, his great webbed hand stretched out of the water, and was just about to clutch the stern of the boat and tear it clean off, when one of the men, the man who was on the stroke oar, a man called Johnny Brass, he sprang up and he grabbed the last keg, and he threw it with all his might at the Finn King's head, and it crushed the Finn King's skull. Well, with that, the boat grounded, and many eager hands grabbed it and pulled it up safely up to the boat noust. And so the spell was broken, but so was the Finn King's head. And he lay there in the surf, rolling backwards and forwards as the sea ebbed and flowed. Well, they pulled up his body, and he was dying. He wasn't quite dead, but he was making a sort of a grunting, snoozing sound as he died. And when he was dead, they piled him up on a pyre of stones, and they built up a lot of combustible fuel around him. They took as much wood as they could find. They used heather and dried grass. They had dried seaweed from the beach, and lots and lots of peats. And they covered over the Finn King's body with this, and they set it on fire. And they burnt him in a huge funeral pyre. And then, when he was dead and reduced to ashes, they raised a big mound over the site. And it's still there to this day. They call it the Castle of Snoozegarth, after the snoozing sound that the Finn King made when he died. Well, among the crowd that welcomed the men back, they were heroes, of course. And one old woman pushed her way through the crowd and headed towards Johnny Brass. Now her daughter was Jenny Irvin, and she was the girl that Johnny Brass was courting. And the old woman threw her arms round her neck and said that he was worthy of her daughter. Even if she was twice as good and twice as bonny as she was, he would still be worthy of her. Well, he loved her, so he was happy to hear this. And after a few months, the two of them were married, and a great wedding feast there was. And they also had their wedding, their wedding walk, which was the tradition, walking to the kirk. And there the minister married them, and he said to them, Say be atween ye both, meaning good luck be with you for the rest of your lives. Now the wedding march was led by a fiddler from Harry, and a gale of wind had sprung up in the meantime, but it didn't stop them from stopping to dance on the top of Sandfield Hill. Well, as they danced on top of Sandfield, with their feet kicking up the sand and the wind, it blew a huge quantity of sand down and it covered the house, called the fan, and completely buried it. But Johnny and Jeanie were married, and they did live happily and prosperously for the rest of their days. Now, the nice thing about that story is that a few years ago there was a house excavated uh, in the area of near Sandfield Hill, 
but it was a Viking longhouse. Now, among the pieces that they found there was a whetstone, and it was made from a kind of stone that you do not find in Orkney. In fact, it's only found in northern Norway, in Arctic Norway. And also, I have found a version of this story in the Lofoten Islands. So, it seems that the connection with Arctic Norway and Vikings and Orkney is very strong. And now, there are other uh, analyses that show where people were brought up. Isotopic analysis, it's called. Your teeth enamel can show where you were, the water you were drinking. Uh, It's a long story, and I won't bore you, but it's a fascinating thing, but it's showing that Viking burials in Orkney comes from Arctic Norway, not just across from Bergen or Stavanger area. And so, it's lovely when a folk tale can back up the archaeological evidence.